Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. It's day 1000 of the J6 political hostage crisis. I'm Mel Hawley, and this is your Justice in Jeopardy update. Hello, this is a prepaid call from... An inmate at the Washington, D.C. Central Detention Facility. There we go. You there? Yes. Okay. <laughs> you are my hero. <laughs> Thank you. So, so tell me what happened in the courtroom, Brandon. Uh, you want a particular part? Oh, oh, just just tell tell it to me all. So you were you were pro se in the courtroom in your trial. Yep. And I didn't want to be, but judge? the lawyers didn't want to help. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't know you were going to Go ahead. No, you're fine. Who was your judge? Uh, Trevor N. McFadden. McFadden. So what happened, Brandon? What happened in the courtroom? Good grief. Uh, well, uh, I told him I wasn't ready. Um, I told him I wanted standby counsel. He didn't listen to that. He kept blindly saying, oh, you've had two plus years to prepare. And he keeps ignoring the fact that he's helped, you know, the marshals have moved me ten times. Uh, in those two years, and nine out of those ten times, I wasn't allowed to bring preparations with me, despite that you're supposed to as a pretrial detainee. He kept saying I had discovery given to me, despite that that was not true. And uh, the times that I had been given discovery, it was, for instance, you know, I have I have CDs, but DC laptops don't have CDs, uh, CD readers. Right. Moreover, at Lewisburg, they gave me a bunch of files that the computers didn't didn't read, so. I'm sitting there, not able to read anything, and then two days in a trial, I finally get discovery, and I race to try to organize it and make exhibit lists, and oh, it was just a total crap storm. And the best jury that I got, this this is the best jury. I can name three of them of what they did. Not, obviously, not names. I'm gonna, not going to share with you the names, um, but just just a, a sample of the best of what I could find in the D.C. jury pool. Uh, one of which said on January 6th, this is the forger. First of all, she was an intern with the DOJ, mm-hmm. um, and so that was fun. <laughs> yeah. But also, she said on January 6th, two of her closest friends, one of which was chief of staff of something at the Capitol, um, she called them on January 6th to make sure they were okay. Mm-hmm. And she's also, uh, like, she lobbies over at the Capitol frequently. The person next to her was uh, in the Capitol on January 6th, and he was locked down. Um, and he kept making faces at me <laughs> during trial. Oh my God! And oh, what was the, oh, the third one? Has an, uh, a family member that's an immigration, um, an immigration lawyer. Um, yeah. Oh man, you should see the notes on these people. These are just this is crazy. This is the be- oh oh the best one, right? And I say this sarcastically. Uh, works for Bloomberg News, and. She's, she like when, one of the questions that I asked for the jurors to, to be asked was, uh, did any of you get to get affected by January 6th? And he asked that as uh, to the whole courtroom, and you should have seen all the hands that raised. It was like a tidal wave. I'm like, oh dear. <laughs> and so we go around hearing the different answers, and um, this woman is supposed to say this quietly, but I think she wanted to say it loudly. She said, yeah, I live on First Street, which is like the closest to the Capitol. It goes off. Uh-huh. Like, numbers go further away. So first three is right next to it. And she says, so when they left bombs, she said it so loudly. Like, when they left bombs at the RNC and DNC, it was right next to where I lived. And I was very scared. And I was like, oh, geez. 
(laughs) You mean the the fake uh, pipe bomb? Yeah. And I was like, well, so I talked to her on the phone, and I'm like trying to speak quietly to get her voice to calm down because everybody heard it. (laughs) Everybody heard her say this. And I was just like, okay, well, will that affect you? Uh, Well, first of all, I was like, I don't think that was us, but uh, is that going to affect you for, uh, you know, are you going to be able to look at the facts of the case? Oh, yeah, just the facts. I'm like, oh, geez. I was like, okay, well, she's better than all these other people that are glaring at me. So, <laughs> mm. yeah. One of the jurors wow. was like, oh, I, I worked in Senator Jeff Merkley's office, and, and these people destroyed my stuff. I'm like, okay, well, I didn't do any of that, so I don't know why you're staring. You know, he, like, screamed it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I got tons of juror stories, but, yeah. Uh, wow. I, uh, I could talk about it for a long time because it was, like, what, four or five days long, so uh, I don't want to talk ear off about anything you don't well, want to know. So let's, maybe, I mean, hit the highlights. Hit, hit the highlights. Tell me what the most, you know, important things were that happened. So uh, I'll I, tell you what pissed yeah. me off the most, I guess. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm asking these people questions, right? They have seven witnesses. Um, and most, they start off by showing a whole bunch of videos hours before I'm even there, showing these barricades getting ripped through. And I'm, I keep objecting. I'm like, Josh, I'm not even here. He's like, oh, overruled. Uh, and I'm like, okay. Um, so they keep showing it, and then so when I go to when it's my turn, um, it's my case in chief. I try to show the, those same areas where police officers are doing the exact like the exact opposite of what the government's witnesses. Witness Wait, was it, let me interrupt for a second. Was did they show the the montage that they show in in every trial that they submit this montage of all of the violence that all only happened on the west, and is probably I I I'm guessing it's probably what they gave all of the MSM to put on loop, you know, for the next few weeks. Um, was it that, or were these specific different videos? There was a videos? lot, honestly. It was, it, yeah. was, it was a lot. It would be, it, I mean, it may have been there. I just know that he finally listened to my objection when it came to the tunnel. He didn't show the tunnel. I'm like, Josh, I'm not even here. And I kept yeah. pushing it. He's like, all right, fine, sustain. And uh, mm-hmm. so, um, but they showed the barricades, and, and uh, Inspector Mendoza, who just, thinks that Capitol Police did an amazing job that day. Nothing wrong. They, they, they did an amazing job preparing. Oh, and yeah. I'm looking at this one photo, and I'm like, um, it's like three football fields in length, and you only see like one officer per football field. And I'm like, do you think that's decent preparation? And she's like, yep, all the officers were activated. And so I just took that out. <laughs> that's okay, the biggest the... lie. That is the biggest well, lie. Well, here's the thing. She used, she used crafty language. Because when I got a, I got an officer named Nicoletti, who's the guy that I was talking to calmly about, like, hey, dude, what's going? And I was talking to him in the video, and like we were, we were being friendly with each other. Um, they brought him in, and I asked him, I was like, hey, so you said, because he said that they should have, the Capitol Police leadership should have prepared better. And I said, oh, I want to ask you about that. And I was like, because we just had Inspector Mendoza up here, and she said that all the officers were activated. He said, I don't even know what that means. I'm like, oh, you don't. I was hoping you knew because. No, I have no idea. I can tell you this. I showed up for my shift. Nobody warned me about what was going on, and apparently they come to a different build, side of the building, like or they come to a different building to enter and then go through an underground tunnel. And so he said um, the officers that checked him in didn't even warn him, and then he ended up walking all the way to the Capitol, and then he went into a break room, and then he said that was when I started noticing something was off because the break room's never empty. And so then he said he left the break room and then saw protesters walking around. That was the warning he got. No, like nobody warned him. Nobody told him come in early, despite that it had been going on since like twelve, twelve thirty. And 
yet Inspector Mendoza, despite showing up to 20-something different trials or maybe even more, she keeps using this crafty language of, oh, no, all of them, all of them were activated. We did everything. So I asked, Nic- I asked Nicoletti about that, and he said, no, maybe, he's like, maybe every officer was there at some point. But he said, no, I know plenty of officers who showed up and didn't even get warned. We didn't get where our gas masks were. She had no answer for where the bullhorns were. She said that there was uh, dispersal orders being played that could have been heard for miles. And I said, well, where are these videos? They didn't play any of those videos during my trial. And I said, uh, and Inspector Mendoza said, oh, these people would have had to hop over a barrier. They would have. They would have had to hop over it. I'm like, so even the grannies that could barely walk that were present in the crowd, they would have had to hop over these, these bike racks? said, yes. I said, okay. So their own videos that they showed, I showed them literally being removed. And I said, what's happening here? She said, there's a breach. I'm like, okay. I'm like, do you, that, that happened in 30 seconds. Do you think that it's a potential that in the next two and a half hours, all those other areas ended up getting removed too? No. Oh, my goodness. I, I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> and she wow. said, oh, there were three different barriers. Here's the great part. I was row four at the ellipse, right? Mm-hmm. And... I went through, I showed the jurors, I said, here's a video, here, here's a video and, and photos of all the different barricades. There were like eight different ver- like barricades and police lines. I said, there were eight over here. And yet beyond them, you can see protesters, or you can see people at the ellipse beyond all these lines. You know why you can see that? Because despite those eight lines, people were let through them. So even for the people that arrived, even if they saw a barricade, which I didn't when I arrived, that doesn't mean anything. And I said, mm-hmm. I know the government doesn't have one photo, despite all the videos here, of me at a barricade, let alone, like, a dispersal order. And they didn't like this. I said, the only dispersal order I got was from Donald Trump, with, you know, that, that, like, hey, everybody, we love you, go home. Uh-huh. I said, Every, all the police officers were very welcoming. I said, and they, they objected to that. They said, uh, you know, oh, that's not an evidence to Trump's, to Trump's thing, but here's the overall thing, right? Mm-hmm. When I ask their witnesses questions that were just supposed to be simple, right, they went on a talking point. And when I went to go interrupt, it's not the government that jumped in. It was the court. And he said, Mr. Fellows, let them finish. And they were talking about something that had nothing to do with the question. So I had to sit there for their whole two- to three-minute talk every time. But when it came to me and they were trying to fit me, and I was, you know, like just trying to fit – I wasn't like, you know, trying to railroad them in anything. But when it came to me – and they were trying to fit me into a narrative like because they didn't want the whole truth. They just wanted to fit into a narrative. They asked certain leading questions. And I was like, no, I'm not going to play this game. I'm going to give you the full answer. And then they'd say, Miss, uh, Judge, can you please direct him to just answer yes or no? Because they, they wanted me to fit in their narrative. They didn't like the whole truth. They wanted just yes or no because that worked better for them. And uh, the judge kept saying, you know, I, I just kept telling the judge, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I'm not playing this game. I'm here to tell the truth. I'm not here to play this game. They should be advancing the truth. Uh, that's what the law books say, not trying to fit me into a narrative yeah. uh, that they built. And he, he, as a result, he said, all right, well, I'm taking away your chance to rebuttal at the end. And I, I just was, like, so irritated at all the other stuff that he, he – he stopped 87 of my exhibits from coming in. He allowed them to show um, all these videos of – uh, these people, like hour, like up to four hours earlier, in some areas, like pushing through barricades, and I'm like, I, many people didn't see those barricades when we arrived. Like, yeah. a lot of people showed up. I, I didn't. So I, I didn't, yeah. and I was there early. I, exactly. I was. I, I left before the the um, Trump finished speaking, and by the time I got there, Stansel had already pushed through that 
and those guys had already pushed through that barricade and it was gone. Yep. I mean, there were there were signs when I look at my video, I can see signs on the side of the sidewalk lining that, that the lawn in the middle that say right at the bottom that say, you know, do not enter whatever this sign said. But I thought, oh, that is for the lawn. So I thought the people exactly. on the lawn were doing the wrong thing because I was on the yeah, open. Well, yeah. Yeah. Inspector Mendoza went went to the most extreme way I've never even heard anybody say, but she said this snow fencing, which is like orange, like tape, right? She said mm-hmm. if anybody saw that on the ground, everybody would have had to step on it, and they would have noticed it. This orange tape, uh, which what? they call snow fencing. Yeah. Yeah, on the she snow fencing. Would have the, the black it, and they snow would have fencing. Known. Yeah. She said everybody would have known that they weren't allowed there, and I gave a good oh, example. Yeah. I said, guys, I'm from the capital region of New York. I was like, you know what we have in New- in the capital of New York? We have a capital building. And I said, you know what, I, this might be TMI, but uh, I shared this in court because I, I just had no filter. I'm like, I'm just going to tell you guys the truth regardless of what you think. And I said, not only can you go up and touch the building all around it, I said, but you can actually park your vehicle less than 10 feet away from it. And I said, two weeks before January 6th, I was having sex right outside the Capitol. I was like, so <laughs> Inspector Mendoza, I'm serious. <laughs> I was. And nobody came to me. And... Uh, and, and so Inspector Mendoza said, you know, because this is in, in, you know, she said her, even her five-year-old son would know that we're not allowed on, on U.S. Capitol grounds. I said, listen, I don't have an ownership feeling to the New York Capitol, but to a place I've never been to before called the People's House, and especially keeping in mind the, you know, the Declaration of Independence that says we have a right and a duty to overthrow government, as these people in the crowd are inciting people saying, hey, Mike Pence certified the election, and we're thinking, all right, well, regardless of, you know, uh, these people stole an election. And I wasn't going to be doing the overthrowing. That's an, an actual video they played. I, I was talking about it after January 6th. I was like, listen, I wasn't going to be doing any overthrowing, but I'm going to be there to witness it if it does happen. And that's what I, that's what, that lines up with my act. You have one minute remaining. There's no violence on my end. There's no stealing anything. I'm actually talking friendly with police. I thought police joined with us, and they were like, hey, yeah, this election was stolen. We support Trump. It seemed a lot of them were saying such things. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go witness this. This is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I had a time. I didn't know any yeah. officers were getting injured. I actually didn't see that. So when he told me that I couldn't rebuttal, uh, offer my rebuttal, um, you know, basically to respond to them, uh, I, I, after all the other stuff that, that had been happening, I, I just said, well, I expect nothing less from a kangaroo court. And before I get to what happened next, I also should probably mention that um, the government had – their case in chief last about two days and like two hours and about three or four hours into my case in chief oh and they had seven witnesses now i asked for a whole bunch of witnesses and only two got approved so i was upset about that but also it was like three to four hours in and the judge said all right you got 40 more minutes i was like 40 more minutes judge i've got i've got over like 90 other exhibits to show and he and he kept blocking a lot of my exhibits um like the Oh man, I just there's so many instances of that. I'll, I'll get to that after. I just wanted to, like people to understand yeah, like yeah, why I was getting so irritated. Like so yeah. many exhibits that proved my points. You know, this this wasn't a oh this is my word versus theirs. It was hey here's here's all my evidence and, and they're showing a whole bunch of evidence that mostly doesn't have to do anything with me. It's like hours before I was there and areas that I wasn't in. And so I just said yeah. Hey, at this point, I just I was so irritated. He's canceling me even more. And I said all right. I'd expect nothing less from a kangaroo court. And it was simple. There wasn't a, juror, uh, a, a jury in there at the time, um, so they weren't affected by it or anything, and I walked away. Um, and then he called for a recess, 
came back 10 minutes later, and he said, Mr. Fellows, come to the stand. So I came to the stand, and he said, I find you in contempt of court for saying that this is a kangaroo court. Um, and he said, before I sentence you, is there anything you'd like to say? And I wanted to seem apologetic at first because I didn't want him to cut me off um, before I got to finish saying what I was saying. So I, I was like, yes, Judge. I would, if you're going to uh, find me, if you're going to, you know, before you sentence me, I would just like to ask the court to please make sure that you include um, on the record that you're finding me contempt of a modern-day Nazi court. Thank you. <laughs> oh, so you doubled down. You yeah, doubled down. Like, All right, I uh, I sent it to you to five months, uh, and I was like, I was like, okay, and I walked away, and uh, then and then uh, he went to go um, call recess again, um, and then he said, "All rise," and I did not rise, and the marshal came up behind me, and he said, "Stand up," and I was like, "No." <laughs> I, held I held out of my seat as he tried to pick me up <laughs> you until he left child. the room, and I was like, now I'll get up. Yeah, it was, it was basically like a child. I was like, no. <laughs> wow. I will not stand up. So, But, yeah, when he came back later, I was like, all right, I made my point. Um, mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I stood up for that. But, and also not to, so that way they couldn't claim I was influencing the jury. This was all outside the presence of the jury. But the media says, oh, this, this is what caused the jury to freak out. The only question the jury asked me was, hey, we're concerned because he's representing himself if he has our information. And the media made it out like it was because of these, these quote-unquote outbursts that they saw. And, I mean, unless someone else notified them of this or they were researching the case, which they shouldn't have been, I don't know how the media came to this. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's the situation with that. So I got five months for, uh, well, two sentences, three sentences. Um, which were true. They were backed in evidence. This wasn't just me trying to annoy the court. It was like, hey, I mean, you know, you, you railroaded me in, a, in a lots of things. You lied about a whole bunch of stuff. You're allowing them to do stuff that I'm not. And, man, I was just irritated. But, you know, I, I said it very, you know, very classy way. I didn't swear. You know, I didn't flip them off or anything. You know, I was just like, oh, you're kangaroo court, modern-day Nazi court. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and so the judge said that this was going to be uh served after verdict? Yes. So, now here's the thing. He said all all, uh, people early on, he said before we began, he said uh, all defendants are presumed innocent until proven guilty, and I put up my hands and used quotation marks as he said that because uh, my my supposed guidelines were 15 and 19 months, and at this point I not only served 26 months, but a lot of which was like under super intense, like what most people don't, you know, deal with uh, conditions. Right. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm I'm supposedly in, seen as innocent, but mm-hmm. yet I'm beyond my guideline range. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I got five months for that, but I honestly, I didn't shed a tear over it. I felt really good about it. I left smiling. Of course, my, my mom, who's in the back, uh, she's crying, and, she, you know, ugh. She's okay. a Democrat, unfortunately. She just didn't understand most of it, and, ugh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so terrible. So, uh, did you have your, you had your verdict? Uh, yeah, they all, so, oh, you should have been there. <laughs> I wish I had been. Couple, I so wanted to be there. Oh my no, gosh. That's cool. Lots of people have said it was very, very entertaining. And then I actually put on a good case despite not having a law background. Um, yeah. so they come up, um, and I knew I was, screwed when I saw the bombs lady. I call her bombs lady. She's juror number one, the one that screamed that we all brought bombs there. Um, uh-huh. Voidier. 
Uh-huh. And when when I saw her entering with a like like a sly smile on her face, I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh God, she's got a so smirk. Was, she's like smirking. Was, uh, oh yeah, it was um. What was uh? Let's see. It was. I think it was probably about a total of like uh. Well, it took one, over one full day, and it was like half of another day. So it was like a day and a half of jury deliberations, and they came out and said guilty of everything. Mm-hmm. Which is really difficult because, well, I'll, I'll tell you this first. So the juror that was a lobbyist at the Capitol and had her two best friends that she called to make sure it was okay and was an intern at the DOJ, they chose her to be the person to read the verdict. And was she the, so does that mean she's the foreman? Yes, the foreman. Yep. So she's the foreman? Yep. Oh, wow. And, and uh, so she's reading it to me like I murder her son. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, we, the jury, find the defendant, Brandon Fellows. And I'm like, I'm just looking at her. I'm smiling. I'm like, what in the world are you – like, why is she saying it like this? And, uh, like, as soon as they said the felony guilty part one, I, I just couldn't help myself. I'm like, well, you know, I, you have two options. And, you know, I, I, I constantly struggle to, to, to respond to this in a Christian manner. Um, but I mean, it's just like, it's so tough to turn the other cheek to these people. And I was like, this is how you, I, I just, in the moment, I just was, I was angry at the hatred I was receiving over nothing. I mean, you know, this, this is crazy. You guys are going to give, trying to get me t- up to 20 years for this half an hour inside, no violence, no stealing anything, no breaking anything. Super kind to the police. We're talking. They're giving me waves and, and oh man, it was just so irritating. And I said, uh, I said, this is how you radicalize people. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, you have two options. You got Stockholm syndrome, and or you just turn the cheek and like it. I mean, I'm human. I mean, it, it, you know, it's been two and a half years, and I know a lot of people may not understand this, but I mean, I've been attacked twice by guards, pepper sprayed. They said terrible things just because of my relation to January 6th. People have ruined my life. I've lost family members both due to death and because they've left me. Friends, business. I've lost my two businesses, and it's very difficult. And challenging to just say, oh, it's okay, you know, I, I forgive you, and and and, I, and eventually I do come to that in a lot of scenarios. But like in the moment of that, like she's reading this, like like I murdered her son. I'm just like, I'm like, I want to piss these people off even more. Yeah. And so I said that. Um, and uh, then they said, uh, the judge talked about it at the end. He said, oh, our American. A uh, criminal justice system is looked upon as a beacon around the world, and I just burst out laughing. I was like, ha! Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he wasn't happy about that either. And then, um, uh, yeah, on, on the way out, um, so here's where I, I was stupid. <laughs> so let me give you a quick story, right? So because I felt like he was a Nazi court, I, I attempted to give him a salute. I said, here's the respect you deserve. And I, I attempted to give what I thought was a Nazi salute. But I, I ended up watching The Great Escape, which is what my family – half my family is Jewish, just for anybody that ends up uh-huh. hearing this part. And so I, I don't know – I don't know how to Nazi salute. And so I'm watching The Great Escape later, like within the next 24 hours, which is about these uh, American people inside a, a Nazi camp. Mm-hmm. And I, I start noticing they're using their right hand. I'm like, oh, geez, did I freaking salute to, to the Nazi judge the wrong way? I'm like, oh, geez, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> so I, gave the wrong, I gave them the wrong Nazi salute. So wait, you put your you put your left hand up. Yeah, and and people in here made fun of me. They were like, oh, he probably just thought you were like dabbing like a Gen Z or something. <laughs> like, because I, I put my hand up. I was here, the respect you deserve. And I'm like, I'm like, I was wondering why nobody freaking you know 
Oh man. Oh well. Yeah. If only I knew. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> anyhow, um, yeah, we so got is, coming up on November thirtieth. November thirtieth. Okay, I'll have to write that down. Um, what? Uh, okay, so you're gonna just stay in there until November thirtieth, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, just wait. Chill. Just wait. You. Yeah. You've got a uh, Isaac Thomas coming your way soon. Okay. Well, that'll be good. Um, that'll be interesting. Yeah, he he will be very interesting. Yeah, no, I I was surprised too. It was a, it, uh, so I went downstairs, um, and um, the the first day of deliberations, I was I went to uh, court with uh, Ethan Nordine and uh, Enrique Tario, but their their um their sentencing got canceled or moved. And mm-hmm. then the next day, I go in with um with Biggs and Zach Real, and. Yeah, it was just crazy. It was like I had my thing, and then uh, I get downstairs, tell them, and then Biggs comes down about like half an hour later, and mm-hmm. he's like, he gave me 13 years, which is crazy because th- th- this is interesting. Biggs and I ended up going on the on the van ride home before Zach finished up his uh, sentencing, which Zach uh-huh. I think got 15 years. Yeah. Um, and on the way back, I'm sitting in between Biggs and a D.C. local named – I forget his first name, but his name is Diggs. I kid you not, it was called Diggs, D-I-G-G-S. Uh-huh. I'm in between a Diggs and a Biggs. And Diggs <laughs> is, here, is, is listening to uh, Biggs, who's the Jan Sixer, you know, proud boy. They could just got 13 years. And Diggs is saying, he's like, oh, he's like – Look at all he's he's showing he's bragging about his paperwork and like he's got like forty different guns that he like sold to people locally in the D.C. area illegally, uh-huh. and he's like he's like dude he's like I just I, he's like I just got my first plea deal this week and he's like he's like it's for two years he's like look at all these guns I sold this is crazy and he's like man I got wow. a deal of a lifetime and then here here's Biggs who you wow. know maybe you can maybe insert stuff about him but I mean I don't think he's done anything intense. Right. I, I really don't. Maybe you might want to include them, but I—I I mean, a lot of these people like didn't do anything. Like, they didn't really do anything like this. But and he's got 13 years, and so you can just see—you know—one guy's bragging, and the other guy's like, you know, just like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's just like, wow. Uh, yep. Gosh. It was crazy. It's like the, the bias was crazy. Looking at, like literally sitting in between the two different. Like, the, like, here's how they treat a D.C. Democrat, and here's how they treat a, Rep- a Trump supporter from January 6th. Wow. So, yeah. Yep. It's so sad. Yep. It is. It's horrific. Mm. Yeah, so I have no criminal history, uh, and so one of my charts, I am now a felon, at least for now. Hopefully something happens with that in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but the felony of obstructing an official proceeding. Oh, I do want to add this. So, briefly. The charge includes a knowingly factor, which means that the jury has to come to a a reasonable, uh, you know, has to believe beyond a reasonable doubt, which not a lot of people understand what that means. The Mm -hmm. law books define that as a 95% chance or greater. It's a pretty high threshold. And one of the elements that they have to find is knowingly. And so they have to believe that there's a 95% chance or greater that I knew I was going to obstruct an official proceeding. And the reason why this charge was garbage is – like one of the main I'll just give you one example of the evidence. I talked to four different media companies as I was leaving um the capitol i was I was volunteering my information. I didn't think I did anything wrong. The police were very welcoming, 
And the guy asked me, um, what, one of the guys asked me. You have one minute remaining. He says, what happened, What caused uh, people to start freaking out and break in? I said, oh, it's like, you know, half the crowd was peaceful. The other half was like, didn't really know what they were doing. They just kind of wanted to go in. I said, but uh, after people started shouting on the microphones that Mike Pence certified the election, which is a lie, it didn't actually happen until later that night, but they said that to incite the crowd. I said, once, the, once people started shouting Mike Pence certified the election, people started breaking in, at least where I was. And so I, 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 I shared with them, I said, guys, how, would I, how was I going to – you know, going to go inside and, and plan to obstruct a proceeding where I thought the uh, the election was stolen, or you know, sorry, the, uh, where I was told that the certification was already done. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I can't be obstructing something that's already done. And I had multiple different examples of of evidence of that, like that people had said that in that area. So. Yeah, yeah, and if and if they had already um, gone into recess, then you know, how could you be doing anything either? Which they did at the time I entered. So. Yeah, none of it matters. Thank you for blood. using Global Telling. We all bleed the same red blood of patriots. But make honey great again. I guess we feel like we're servants and we have a product out there that's really cool and we're, we're raising a lot, a lot, a lot of money for, uh, for different groups like yourself. Grown and bottled in America. It looks just like President Trump. Where can people order this honey? It's a very easy site. It's called MakeHoneyGreatAgain.com. Sales code MEL. Off it goes. Within 24 hours, it's shipped to you. Make America great again.